Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. Whether it's copying their moves, training like they train, or wearing the shoes they wear, we often look to elite athletes for insights on how to develop our skills and perform more effectively. For example, you might remember an episode not too long ago where I described a basketball study which found that the best free throw shooters practiced in a much more proactive way than the worst free throw shooters, and that they engaged in a process known as self-regulated learning, which basically involves three phases, a forethought phase, where you think about what you're going to do before you do it, and then a performance phase, where you do the thing that you planned, and then a self-reflection phase, where you reflect on what just happened and consider what adjustments might help you get closer to your initial goal. Other studies have also identified a link between self-regulated learning and higher-level performance, so we have some idea that this approach to practice is important. But a related question that hasn't often been asked is, what practice behaviors are associated with improving at the highest level. After all, it's nice to know that self-regulation strategies are associated with better performance, but wouldn't it also be pretty awesome to know what the best improvers do, so we too might be able to maximize our growth and get more out of our practice time? To explore this question, a team of Dutch researchers recruited 157 national-level Dutch swimmers from the ages of 12 to 21 and followed their training habits and competition performance for a full season. The researchers tracked the number of weekly training sessions and hours each swimmer spent training and also asked them to take an assessment that was designed to measure the degree to which they used four self-regulated learning processes in their practice. The first one was evaluation, An example question would be, after each practice session, I think back and evaluate whether I did the right things to reach my practice goal, where one equals never and five equals always. The second process was planning. For instance, before each practice session, I plan my actions relative to the goal I want to attain during the practice session. The third process was reflection. For instance, During each practice session, I try to identify my strengths and think about ways to improve these even more. And the last process was speaking up. For example, if the coach changes an exercise and I don't understand the change, I ask the coach to explain. 
And to see if there were any motivational benefits associated with this type of practice, the researchers also asked several questions related to self-efficacy and effort. Self-efficacy, for instance, would be something like, I am confident that I can deal efficiently with unexpected events. Or effort would be something like, I put forth my best effort when performing tasks. The first thing the researchers wanted to know was, was there any difference between the practice habits of the best and worst swimmers in the group? They looked up the slowest seasonal best swim performances by age, sex, and swim event of the top 50 swimmers in the world and used this as a minimum performance standard. So participants whose season best performance was faster than this time were considered high-level performers, and swimmers whose performances were slower were lower-level swimmers. And was there a difference in how these groups approached practice? Indeed there was. After controlling for differences in training time, there were two self-regulated learning processes that differentiated the higher-level swimmers from the lower-level swimmers. For one, the higher-level performers had higher reflection scores. This means that they were more mindful and reflective during their training sessions. Translated into music terms, this would mean that they were listening more carefully, thinking more deeply about what a passage just sounded like relative to their goal for that passage, taking time to identify their weakest areas and thinking of ways to improve these, monitoring the progress they're making or not making towards their practice goals and making adjustments accordingly. The other difference was that the higher-level performers had lower effort scores. That's right, you heard me correctly. The higher-level performers had lower effort scores, which I know seems totally backwards, but when you take a closer look at the assessment questions in this area, it actually does make sense. The authors explain that while both groups' scores were pretty high, suggesting that both groups devoted a lot of effort to their training— the lower-level performers may have been less thoughtful and strategic about their effort. In other words, the lower-level swimmers may have used a maximum effort philosophy in all of their training tasks, regardless of the task's importance. Meanwhile, the higher-level performers may have been more thoughtful and strategic about which tasks to devote their limited time and energy to, directing maximum effort to the most important tasks, but less effort to less important tasks which could lead to more efficient, more effective, and relatively speaking, less effortful training sessions. Then the researchers went a step further. They wanted to see which self-regulated learning processes might be related to the most growth and improvement during the course of a season. So looking only at the higher level swimmers, they calculated the improvement between each swimmer's first and best performance of the season. And then they compared this with the average performance improvement within a season for the top 50 swimmers in the world. If a swimmer's improvement was greater than this benchmark, then they were defined as an advanced progressor. Less than this benchmark, and they were categorized as a less advanced progressor. And was there a difference in the practice habits of the most and least improved swimmers? The answer, once again, is yes. The swimmers who improved the most during the season engaged in more evaluation processes after training sessions than the swimmers who still performed well but improved less over the course of the season. And what's evaluation exactly? Evaluation is actually something that happened after practice rather than during. For instance, swimmers who engage in evaluation might reflect back on their practice session and think about whether they did the right things to become a better swimmer, or perhaps look back at notes from their practice session and consider whether they used the right strategies to reach their goals. In music, this might be like reflecting on why the metronome practice you did today didn't solve the rushing tendency that you identified in one passage. 
And as you continue to ponder why this might be, you begin to wonder if perhaps it would be more helpful to practice with a bigger beat on the metronome or to use your app's random beat silencing function to more effectively cultivate an inner pulse. Or maybe as you reflect on why slow practice didn't seem to fix the tricky string crossing passage that has been your Achilles heel in previous auditions, you begin to wonder if because of the tempo and bow stroke involved, maybe slow practice isn't the answer and perhaps at tempo practice or note grouping practice might actually be more useful. This is all very intriguing and makes perfect sense, of course, but it's important to note that given the design of the study, we don't yet know if this relationship between the reflection and evaluation processes of self-regulated learning and higher level performance and greater improvement is a causal one meaning it's quite possible, and perhaps even likely, that reflecting and evaluating one's practice does contribute to better performances and maximizes growth. But it could also be that there's something else involved that we're not aware of that is actually the key driver of these performance differences. For instance, it appears that there's actually a strong correlation between the divorce rate in Maine and the per capita consumption of margarine. There's also apparently a pretty strong correlation between per capita cheese consumption and the number of people who die by becoming tangled in their bedsheets. Turns out there's even a pretty strong correlation between the number of people who drowned by falling into a pool and the number of films that Nicolas Cage appeared in that year. Nevertheless, today's study reminded me of something Olympic diving coach Jeff Huber once said. He noted that there was one tell that often let him know when one of his divers was about to experience significant growth. And what was that tell? It's when an athlete would come to practice, approach him, and say, Hey coach, so I've been thinking. To be clear, there's a big difference between productive post-practice reflection and unproductive rumination, so it's important to remind yourself sometimes to just leave work at work. But given what we learned about in today's study, it probably wouldn't be such a bad idea to get in the habit of ending practice a few minutes early spending that time reflecting on how things went, and deciding what adjustments we might want to make the next time. You can find links to this week's study and other related practice hacks at bulletproofmusician.com slash blog. You can also find a quick and dirty 30-second summary of the study on Instagram at bulletproofmusician. And if you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think would also enjoy experimenting with it during the coming week. 